Okay, guys. We're in lesson number 10 today. We're going to take two weeks to cover the topic that we're going to look at today, which is the issue of evangelism. Now, immediately somebody here might say, evangelism, what does that have to do with my Christian life? Because remember, we said the Christian life is basically your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a set of things that you have to do in order to gain God's acceptance. You're already accepted. But evangelism, what does that got to do with my Christian life? Well, it has everything to do with your Christian life. It's actually a key component of your Christian life. You sharing your faith is actually a key component of your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's basically telling others about your relationship. Now, the problem is, for a lot of us here, including myself, in our years of being in church, evangelism has always been basically... You know, I told you the 11th commandment is giving. The 12th commandment is thou shalt share. Okay? Actually, it is a commandment. We'll see that later. It's called the Great Commission. But it's almost like if you don't share, if you don't lead somebody to Jesus, you're not a good enough Christian. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay? But And so what I want to do today is I want to present to you, we're going to, we're going to take two weeks. We're going to look at some misconceptions. We're going to look at the impact of the misconceptions, how our misconceptions actually impact us negatively. And then we're going to look at, okay, what is evangelism? And what's our message? And then next week we're going to look at some methodology. How do I share my faith? Because the reality is, can I be honest with you, if you are a believer, you may not realize this, but you already are sharing your faith. You already are sharing your faith. The problem is, is that you might not think that you are because you're not using a method that you were told to do in church. You understand? But you already are sharing your faith. Every time you have a casual conversation with somebody about, about Jesus and what Jesus is doing in your life, can I be honest with you, that's evangelism. That's evangelism. Now, it's, it maybe is a subtle form of evangelism. It's not an in-your-face evangelism. But you already are sharing. When you already begin to speak about what God's doing in your life, you're sharing. Well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's look at it today. We're going to look at some different things here. Let's First of all, let's look at the misconceptions. The first one, evangelism is viewed, E.D., as a means to be accepted by God. Oftentimes, especially in evangelical Bible-believing churches, where evangelism is very much pushed, outreach, 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 you can begin to see that if I'm not sharing my faith, then I'm not going to be accepted by God. God's going to be displeased with me. And... So this is the problem. The problem is, is, folks, your acceptance with God has nothing to do with evangelism. has nothing to do with your giving. We already talked about that with other things. Your acceptance with God has to do with who? Jesus and what Jesus has done. So it's never an issue of your acceptance. So this is the first misconception. So evangelism is viewed as a means to be accepted by God. Now here's the other one. Many believe that they must save others. Now, this is a big one. Somehow, in the communication process, we have 
miscommunicated what evangelism is. And so there is a misconception out there that it is your task to save other people. How many of you have thought that? Just be honest, I thought that at one time. How many of you thought that? I see some heads nodding and stuff. It's not your task. Now the problem is, and here's what the problem is, when you begin to view that it is your job to save other people, and you're sharing your faith, and people aren't responding, what happens? You don't see anybody except Jesus. What happens? You stop sharing, you feel guilty, okay? Frustrated? Discouraged? Okay? I, I remember in school, when I was in, in uh, studying my undergraduate class, actually, I had a, I had a uh, professor who uh, had been a missionary to North Africa for 20 years. Now, can you tell me, predominantly, who lives in North Africa, folks? Libya, in, you know, Egypt. Who, who predominantly lives? What type of people predominantly live in North Africa? Muslims and Arabs. Okay? How open are they to the gospel? He told me he ministered there for 20 years as a missionary and never saw anybody get saved. Now, if we go by this, this misconception, how good is he doing? It's not doing good at all. See, we've got a wrong perception here. Actually, can I be honest with you? You may want to write this down. Write this down on the side note. Evangelism is only going to get harder in our culture. Evangelism is only going to get harder in our culture. Why do I say that? Well, because we are becoming less and less aware of God in our culture. We're becoming increasingly secular, and every generation that's raised has less of an understanding of God, so therefore they're not going to be as open for you to talk about God. Oh, I don't know if I believe that. Well, I remember when we first started the Chozone program, we, you know, we invited neighborhood kids, and I, I went out just to check on something that somebody had not. We had a sign that said the Chill Zone, come, it was a fold, our sandwich sign, and it was knocked down. And, and I remember it was this time of year. Actually, it was a little bit colder. It was in November. And, and I walked out without my jacket, and I walked around the building and set the sandwich sign back up, and I walked down. This, this is when we had the Chill Zone at 3 o'clock, 3.30 after school. And I walked out, and there was a kid standing outside the door looking in the door at the kids inside the chill zone. And, and I walked over to him, and I said, do you want to come in? Uh, he wasn't sure. He kind of wanted to come in because all his buddies were in there, but he didn't want to come in because it was the church. And he was scared. I found out later he was scared to come in church because he didn't understand what was going on at church. Now, some of you are like, you've got to be kidding me. No, I've heard that many times before of children being afraid of church because they have no clue of what church is. Because they come from families who have no clue. And now it's two or three generations who have no clue. So evangelism is only going to get harder. So we've got to get over this misconception that we're here to save other people. Because we're going to find, okay, 
Here's the other one, and this was one probably where some of you are at, and I, I'm sorry I'm going to blow up your bubble, but uh, this is evangelism is getting people to pray a sinner's prayer. Folks, evangelism is not getting you to get somebody to pray a prayer. Prayer does not save anybody. Look, I have, you know, I'm, I've been around now and doing ministry now for over 20 years. And, and I can already tell you that I have been in many situations where somebody prayed a prayer, but nothing changed. They had no understanding, no concept. Praying a prayer is not evangelism. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Okay? So the misconception is, is that it's, I'm supposed to get people to pray a prayer. To pray a sinner's prayer. That is not what evangelism is. Okay? Let's go on now. It leads to defeat in believers' life. Now here's the impact of it. If I operate in, under these misconceptions, it's only going to lead to defeat in your life. Why? Because most people are not going to respond to the gospel. Most people that you share with are not going to respond. I don't care how good a method they tell you it's going to be. How good the outreach was somewhere else, and, and how good Billy Graham did, or how good this guy did, or whatever. Most people are not going to respond. And you say, how do you know that? Because the Bible tells you that most people are not going to respond. Do you understand? The Bible tells you that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unsaved. They can't see it. Our gospel is not veiled. It's out there. So the impact of this, first of all, is most people aren't going to respond. Period. Now there's a second impact, and this goes along with the one about getting people to pray a sinner's prayer. We deceive others concerning their eternal state. Back in... Uh, 1986, there was a musical group at that time called Harvest. How many of you remember Harvest? Yep, Harvest, okay. I loved Harvest's music. And I went to had a concert at the Carolina Coliseum in Columbia. So I went to the concert. I, was only, I only lived five blocks away from the Coliseum, so I went to the concert. And Jerry Williams was the lead singer, and the, and the pianist was a guy by the name of Ed Kerr. And Jerry, he preached as much as he sang, okay? So this was new to me because I'm a new Christian. My concept of, of concerts is Marshall Tucker and the Charlie Daniels Band. And nobody's preaching at those concerts. It's just all music, all right? So, so this is my first Christian concert, okay? So I go to the concert, and I hear the music, and I'm loving the music. But then he starts preaching, and he preached as much as he sang. But he said something that I thought was pretty profound that impacted me. At first it shook me, but as I've gotten older, I understand what he's saying. He said this, John 3.16 is sending an awful lot of people to hell. Now some of you are, huh? Let me explain it to you. Just a simple message of saying God loves you, Got a wonderful life for you, got a wonderful plan for you. You just need to accept Jesus and escape hell. It's sending a lot of people to hell because there's no change in life. First of all, they have no understanding of who Jesus is. 
Now, that's a key point. Now, we'll explain it as I get further along. Simply just getting people to pray prayers, you are deceiving them concerning their eternal state. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Chuck Colson, of course, wrote the book Born Again. Everybody remember Born Again? Okay. He had another follow-up book. And in his follow-up book, he talked about how when he was in prison, he led a mobster to the Lord. He led a guy who was part of one of these Italian mob things in, in New York to the Lord. After he got out of prison, this guy got out of prison, he began to hear that this mobster that he had led to the Lord was still getting involved in drugs, prostitution, and all this stuff. He was back to his mob life. And so Chuck was dismayed. And he goes and sees the guy and says, Why are you doing this? Why are, you, why are you continuing in these activities? Didn't you accept Jesus Christ? And, and the guy said, yeah, yeah, I accepted Jesus Christ. You told me to pray this prayer, and I prayed that prayer. But you didn't tell me about I had to stop all this other stuff. See, here's, my, here's what I want you to understand, folks. Simply getting people to pray prayers, we're deceiving them. We're deceiving them. In fact, I think your page there, there is a um, scripture there from Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6 says this, Let no one deceive you with empty words, because these things, because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. If you look at that context, he goes through and lists a bunch of sins there that those who practice them will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, don't let anyone deceive you with empty words. Listen, folks, you don't know if somebody got saved, and if they're not living right, don't sit there and try to tell them that they're okay because you remember when they prayed a prayer. Praying a prayer doesn't save you. Praying a prayer doesn't save you. Faith saves you. Faith changes you. And so the impact is, is that when we have these misconceptions, listen to me, when we operate by these misconceptions, there is a negative impact, and a negative impact is we're telling a whole lot of people they're okay, but they're actually going to hell. They're actually going to hell. Now that may bother some of you, but it needs to. There is one other impact. We present, when we share the gospel, we present the issue of salvation with reference to life after death. Here's the other impact of this misconception. Whenever you share the gospel with somebody, you tend to talk about where you're going to go when you die. And when you stand before Jesus, what's Jesus? when Jesus says to you, why should I let you into my heaven, how are you going to respond? That's a typical gospel presentation today. So we're always talking about salvation with reference to later on when you die. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you thought about dying this week? Normally, on a typical week, do you think about dying? Nobody. The people at work, how many of them are thinking about dying, typically? Unless they got health issues, or unless somebody in their family just died. How many people typically think about dying? No, but think about our message of Jesus. It's about later on. So most people, when you share that with them, they'll say, well, I'm not ready yet. Because they think of it in terms of something that's for what? 
Later on. Later on. So, okay, what's evangelism then? Here's what evangelism is, folks. Evangelism is nothing more than sharing the reality of Jesus with others. Evangelism is nothing more than to share the reality of Jesus. Our task is not to share five steps to a happy life. Our, our task is not to share how to make sure you're not going to hell, but you're going to heaven. That is not our task. Our task is in evangelism. Our task in evangelism is to share the reality of Jesus Christ. So let me just stop there for a moment. If you think about what our message has been, we're always talking about what it is later on when you die. The reality of Jesus, is that real today? It should be. It should be. So the message, evangelism is nothing more than sharing the reality of Jesus with others. So here's what our task is. If that's what, the, if that's what our job is, is to share the reality of Jesus, here's what our task our task is to share because God is the one who saves. So simply, when we talk about evangelism, it's not your job to save anybody. It's whose job? God. Jesus is the one who saves. The Holy Spirit is the one who saves. So I'm simply to sh what? Share. Man, that should take a weight right off your shoulders. Because how many of you have shared with loved ones and family members and they have just flat out rejected I don't need you to talk about that junk. I, you know what? You've talked to me before about that. I've already told you my opinion. Why do you keep bringing it up? Listen, your job is simply to share. Your job is simply to share about Jesus and the reality of Jesus in your life. That's what it is. Our task is to share because God is the one who saves. Now, let's, let's put it back where it belongs. God is the one who, sh who saves. Now, here's the second one. This is important. I want you to put a star by this one. Evangelism is a process. It's not a one-time event. Evangelism is a process. So, okay, if you have somebody who you're talking with and they don't quite get it, don't try to get them to pray a prayer immediately. Because they don't get it. Now, if you say to them something, how many of you want to go to hell? Nobody wants to go to hell except a crazy person who says, oh, yeah, it's going to be a great party down there. It's going to be a party, but most people, if you tell, tell them that, how many of you want to suffer for eternity in hell? Nobody wants to do that. And you say, well, all you have to do is pray this prayer. That's not evangelism. That's called deception. My task is to share with people about the reality of Jesus. So evangelism is a process of getting them to understand who Jesus Christ is. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Evangelism is a, is a process. So Paul describes it as this way. One person, what? Sows seed. Another person, what? Waters. Another person, what? Reaps the harvest. See, here's the thing. Let me, oh, let's use me as an example. I came to Jesus Christ in April of 1985 as a freshman at the uh, University of South Carolina. It was because 
of many different factors that I came to that place of kneeling beside my bed and committing my life to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what those factors were. I'll work back. I went to a Bible study. And in that Bible study, I heard about the Christian life and about other kids who were testifying my age about what Christ was doing in their life. And I wanted, I wanted what they had. And somebody encouraged me that night to read the Gospel of John. So I went home and read the Gospel of John and ultimately committed my life to Christ. How did I get to that Bible study? I had a Christian friend who was in engineering school with me, by the guy by the name of Ray Stanton, who invited me to go to that Bible study. How did I end up going to that Bible study? Because I had other people in my life, throughout my life and childhood, I think of one man in particular, he's now dead, who was my scoutmaster, who was a Presbyterian man, by the name of Frank Yandel, who lived the Christian life before me. There were many people who had a factor in me hearing about Jesus. So that when I committed my life to Jesus Christ, it wasn't any one person that I could say, oh, he led me to Christ. It was many people. Because why? Evangelism is a process. Because George had to come to the place of understanding and committing his life by faith to Jesus Christ. I think for some of you, you would realize, yeah, it was a process. It was many people, not just one person, not a one-time event. But here's what we do in our churches. We make it a one-time event. And if you walk an aisle and you pray a prayer, you're okay. No. It's a process of understanding who Jesus is. That's what it is. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's an understanding of who Jesus is. Because that's what saves you, is faith in who? Jesus. Now here's the other thing I want you to see about evangelism, because this may be a scary one for you, but here's the reality. In sharing, we bring words of life and death. Do you understand? My task is to share the gospel. My task is not to save people. Because my message of Jesus and the reality of him is either going to be words of life to a person or words of death to a person. What do you mean by that, George? Well, I want you to understand something. When people stand before God in the judgment, they're going to be judged as to whether or not they know who? Jesus. My task is to share, to communicate the gospel with as many people as possible because ultimately they're going to have to make a decision. And if they decide... To reject what I'm saying or my testimony, those are words of death. If they accept, it's words of life. In fact, look at the passage I gave you there. It's from uh, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Isn't that right? Think about the people who are rejecting. Oh, come on, man, you believe that? It's like believing in Santa Claus, man, and the Easter Bunny. You believe that? It's foolishness. Hey, think, look at the reaction that happened when Mel Gibson did his movie, The Passion. It's like, how many movies have they made on the life of Jesus, and every time they make one, there's this big reaction. Why? Because it's foolishness to the parachute. But notice what it says there. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. See, it's it's a message of what? Life or death. Life or death. Do you understand? Don't take it personal. Look, when they reject you sharing, 
They're not rejecting you. That's our problem with sharing, isn't it? Because we don't like to be rejected. They're not rejecting you, folks. They're rejecting who? Jesus. Don't own it. You understand? Don't own it. So why is evangelism important? Because we're commanded to evangelize. It's not an option. Okay? Here, listen, I gave you three passages there. Three different passages that basically reiterate the same thing. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, we know this as the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. So there's the Great Commission. We're to, what, make disciples. All right, now stop for a moment. Notice what it says and what it doesn't say. It says that we are to, what? Make disciples. It doesn't say go and save everybody. Who saves? God saves them. Okay? Look with me, Matthew, at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. Underline that part. Witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So my task in sharing is to be a witness to who? Jesus and what Jesus is doing in my life. Here's another one. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 16. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and he who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. So again... I'm to what? Share the gospel with everyone. So, okay. What's the next point here? It's an issue of obedience. It's not an option, guys. It's part of your life. It's part of your relationship is to tell other people about Jesus. Now, now before you're like, oh, well, then I'm doomed because I haven't been doing it. How do you know you haven't been doing it? Every conversation that you have with somebody about Jesus and the reality of Jesus in your life is evangelism. Because remember, it's all part of a what? Process. Because you don't know what's going on when you share. So like you're going through a problem and you're going through an issue in your life and you're at work and people are knowing that you're going through a problem, but they come up to you and say, man, how, how are you getting through this? I don't understand how you're getting through this. Well, it's my faith in Jesus. He's getting me through that. Folks, that's evangelism. Because you don't know, a lot of times, that person is going to think later on, man, I don't know that I could face what he's facing. and I sure don't have what he has. I'd like to have what he has, but I, I don't know what that is. See, it's a process. Quit viewing it as a one-time event. You see, if you view it, if you if you see it the way I'm seeing it, and it becomes a natural part of your life, you're evangelizing. Then one day you might hear somebody say, "You know what? You've been telling me about this Jesus guy. How do I get what you got?" Then you're like, "Oh, call George." No, I mean, you're you're going to be like, "What do I do?" No, you'll know what to do. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to do. 
See, here's the thing. We, we make it into something bigger than it has to be. And a lot of times, I'll be honest with you, the blame's on us pastors. We should be outreach-oriented, but we have put pressures on you to view it in a wrong way when you're already doing it. So keep doing it. Keep showing the reality of Jesus in your life. We're going to talk more about that later on in the morning message when we talk about the essence of church. Okay, so what's our message? First of all, here's what our message is not. Our message is not how to avoid hell and find forgiveness. Or find forgiveness. Our message is not about avoiding hell. Guys, drop that one. I mean, you can talk to them and tell them, you know what, in this relationship with God, we've sinned against Him, and because of that, we bear the penalty of death, and, and we're going to hell. That's part of the gospel, but the evangelism is not, here's what you need to do to avoid hell. No. Here's what you do to get right with God, to enter into a right relationship with Him again. That's the gospel. You understand what I'm saying? It's not how to avoid. And here's the other one: how to how to remove yourself from the shame that you deal with. It's it's all about forgiveness. No, no, no. That's a see. You understand? Avoiding hell and forgiveness are a byproduct. It's the benefit of salvation. It's not the whole focus of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? The focus of it is Jesus Christ and a right relationship with Him. So, our message is the gospel or good news concerning Jesus Christ. See, that's what gospel is. Gospel is, is a word, a Greek word that means good news. So, when I share the gospel, when I share, I'm sharing the good news about who? Jesus. It's all about Jesus, folks. I'm sharing about Jesus. So, here's the other one. Our message is the person and work of Jesus Christ. In fact, I gave you some scripture there. Look with me, 1 Corinthians 15. Paul's going to tell us what the gospel is here. I want you to notice what he doesn't say, but what he does say. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, in which you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Okay, so he's saying here, He's getting ready to tell them what the gospel is by which they were saved. So I want you to notice what he's saying here and then what he's not saying. For I delivered to you, first of all, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He was seen by Cephas, which is also Peter, then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that he was seen by James, and then by the apostles, and then last of all he was seen by me, as also one by one born out of due time. So I want you to notice, what's the message here? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and the fact that he's alive, and that others saw him. That's the message. That's the gospel. Let me tell you what the gospel isn't. Pray this prayer and you'll avoid hell. The message and the heart of our salvation comes from the reality of knowing one individual who is what? Alive today and they are witnesses to his being alive. 
You know what? The greatest message you can share with people is the reality of Jesus in your life right now. Now, if you're here and you're saying, yeah, but he's not that real to me, then we need to talk. Because maybe there's something in your life that's not right. And you maybe need to adjust that. Because maybe there's something in your life that's not right. So the final thing is here, look, notice with me, our message is relevant to lives today. So when I share about Jesus, I'm not going to talk to them about what's going to happen later on when they die. I'm going to talk to them about the reality of Jesus right now in their life today. The message of the gospel is relevant today. Folks, eternal life does not begin when you die. Eternal life begins the moment you get saved. And so Jesus is relevant for you today. Not just later on. Do you understand? Think about our messages. It's always about later on. Who's thinking about later on? I'm not even thinking about next week. Well, I'm thinking about Monday. But I'm not thinking about, you know, do you know what I'm saying? We don't think in those terms, but look at how we present our gospel. Okay? Okay, next week we're going to finish up our lesson here on evangelism. Again, showing you how important it is and what you can do and how to share. Okay, let's, let's close our time and we'll get ready for the morning worship service.